Is there no way I might open my heart with a knife? I could slip you in and close the cut again. Till the end of time. Till the resurrection. You would be inside no heart but mine. In the webbing of my heart you would live my lifetime. In the tomb's twilight you would die when I did. Quisiera rajar mi corazón con un cuchillo, meterte dentro y luego volver a cerrar mi pecho, para que estuvieras en él y no habitaras en otro, hasta el día de la resurrección y del juicio. Así vivirás en mí mientras que yo existiera, y a mi muerte ocuparás las entretelas de mi corazón, en las tinieblas del sepulcro. Welcome back to the C1 Project. Today, we're exploring the life of Ibn Hazm, who was born in 994 AD in Cordoba. His poetry is featured in C1's third studio album, Hafla. To help us understand more about this extraordinary and prolific man, we're joined by Professor Raymond Farron from the American University of Kuwait. Ibn Hazm was a figure, he was a philosopher, a writer, um, a historian, a real polymath, and he's not exceptional in that many of the great intellectuals of his time, and Ibn Zaydun as well was a writer and he was uh, involved in politics. They didn't specialize, not so much like today. It's said that he produced some 400 works that only like 40 of them have survived. It's probably an exaggeration, but he was interested in all sorts of different fields. So one of the great thinkers of the time, he was 17 years older than Walad, and he was raised in court as well. And he was really a supporter of the Umayyad regime, the Ancien regime. When it fell, he, he created some enemies and then he was wishing they would go back to the old regime. He's not supportive of the, the, the new political setup at all. He followed Dawood al-Zahri, who uh, really became a main proponent of the Zahri school of, in terms of interpreting the Quran and the Hadith. And it really, it was a literalist approach that you should not dig deep into the meaning of a verse or not. you shouldn't try, try to find analogies. And you take the the verse for its surface meaning, and that's really the, how it should be intended. So he, you could say he was a bit conservative in this, I mean, he, a very literalist approach to the holy text and to the hadith, and he's famous for that. Actually, most of his books, he made a lot of enemies, and most of his books were burned in Seville. And he also wrote an ex, uh, a book or treatise on love, Tawq al-Hamam, or the dove's neck ring about the art and practice of love in Al-Andalus. And this really helps us imagine and paints sort of the court scene with this book. And the, one of the greatest things about the book is it, it's just totally filled with anecdotes and what he saw in Cordoba and the palace and so forth. And he describes all the characters. You have the, the trusted go-between, who's the person who will take the letters or the, from you to the other person. And then there's the, uh, the spy who's there who's 
spies on the two uh, the two people getting together and the various stages of love, love at first sight, and the ty- different types of love. Um, and then when, and he, he writes about the love union when the lovers get together in privacy, how this is like the greatest experience on earth, will only be matched by the experience in heaven. And then finally about finding solace after when one loses, you know, the other. So it's a very interesting book. And the best thing about it, I think, again, is all these anecdotes. One comes to mind that we read at the American University of Kuwait about love at first sight. He describes this one poet who was in Cordoba in the market, and suddenly he sees this woman walk in front of him, and she passes by the mosque and then crosses the bridge, and he's just completely taken with her. And then he follows her across to the, the park, to the cemetery, and approaches her. And then she won't tell, he's like, she's a slave girl, and she won't tell him who her owner is, because then she's worried he would go to that house and make a scene. And so then she goes back into the city, and apparently she was looking over her shoulder, worried that he was going to follow her because he's so completely sick. Finally, in order to get rid of him, he says, well, how can I see you again? I'm completely in love with you. And she said, well, come here each week. You'll see me in Friday market. I'll pass by here and you can at least enjoy a look, a look at me if that's enough for you. And he said, that's fine. But unfortunately, it seems like she said that just to get rid of him because he was going to create a scandal. And the next week he's there and the next week he's there. He never sees her again for like a few months until he finally hears that this he knows her name and he finally hears that she has moved with the family up to Saracusta, which is in the north of El Andalus, like a couple weeks, I think, a journey over land. And he actually goes there just to see her again, just all on one look. And unfortunately, it doesn't end well for him. I mean, she's sort of a bit, you know, shocked and not pleasantly surprised that he's followed her. The book is filled with stories like this. And this is an example of the power of love at first sight. And that, that's what really makes it kind of fun. Is there no way I might open my heart with a knife? I could slip you in and close the cut again. Till the end of time. Till the resurrection. You would be inside no heart but mine. In the webbing of my heart you would live my lifetime. In the tomb's twilight you would die when I did. This poem was included in the section devoted to secrecy in Ibn Hazm's Treaties of Love, The Dove's Neck Ring. In, every one of the, in most every chapter, he talks about the phenomenon, and then he has some anecdotes, and then he also has some of his own poetry, or maybe he's, he's had an experience with this particular issue. And so that's my guess, that he's probably talking about his own experience. So Ibn Hazm wishes he could open his heart and place his lover inside. So nobody would ever know. Because if the secret gets out, that often means the end of the relationship. If word were to have got out that they were lovers, then this would have created a scandal. The implication would have been that they were in a physical relationship outside marriage. Often, in order to deny that, the family would marry the daughter off to someone else. Because to marry her to that uh, young man or that man would sort of acknowledge, yes, there was a relationship, we need to get them married. It seems like then there was more danger. I mean, there was probably the fascination, but this could easily be lost. You had to keep things secret, but at the same time, your heart was overflowing with emotions. You want to convey that. 
to her or she wanted to convey that to him. And you had to find someone and then you would try to artfully express it. And then if there was requited, maybe at that point you get the parents involved or maybe it's not the right time. Maybe he's not, doesn't have a secure job yet. So he's not able to ask for her hand yet in marriage. So hopefully they could maintain this relationship for a period until he's able to ask for her hand formally. It really seems like there was a lot of drama. And if it got out, it really meant the end. And this goes way back to uh, the pre-Islamic period and these these poets who couldn't keep the secret, like Qais ibn Mulawah, uh, who was called Majnoon Layla, the crazy about Layla. And in his youth, he fell in love with Layla and he just couldn't contain his emotions and start reciting all this poetry. And the family married her off to someone else. Because again, in the logic of the tribe, if she married, she was married to him, that would be like an acknowledgement that there had been like a pre-marital relationship between them. They were seeing each other, which was completely taboo. And we're marrying them so that nothing uh, gets... So to sort of disavow, disavow that, she would be married off to someone else. And like, look, there's nothing between them. We had no... So really this meant the end of the marriage. And in his case, he went crazy and spent the next 20 years just reciting poems about Layla and how beautiful she was and wishing they could go back. And then she she has children and all this other... And he's still writing love poems to her. So it's it's a tragedy that happened, seemed to happen a lot. So it was very important for the secret to be maintained. I think certainly they're the same emotions, but there was more drama and more role-playing, and you really need to find a trusted person who can convey your messages to her or hers to you and vice versa. That was Professor Raymond Farin talking about the life and work of Ibn Hazm. You heard the voices of Phoebe McIndoo, Julian gonzalez Ferro and me, Emily Naylor. Join us next time where we look at two other poets whose work is featured in Siwan's new album, Ibn Zaydun and Princess Bolada. Their tumultuous love affair is preserved in poetry at which we still marvel nearly a thousand years later. Thank you for listening and bye for now. de frutos por su belleza Inclinándote hacia el ramo esteril que jamás ha florido, sabiendo que soy yo la luna llena del despejado cielo, te has enamorado de